Welcome to the Healthy Dog Pod. It's Sophie and Ian, as always. Hello. And today we have a special guest in. We have Iona She. Hi, everyone. She is from the Bonnet Behaviorist team. She is from. <laughs> I love it. Didn't good. even know it did that. Amazing. <laughs> how are you? Good. How are you guys? Good. good. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Uh, absolute pleasure. Well, it probably won't be. But we <laughs> <laughs> know you too well. See what I have to put up with. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Iona's been working with us for how long now? Like three years, three Almost, and a half years? I think three years. Yeah. Uh, just over, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's been um, an interesting three years. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that open to interpretation. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm still here, so. <laughs> good sign, good sign. So, talk us through um, a bit of your history. When you're working with dogs, don't go into your personal history. <laughs> um, tell us a little, yeah, a bit about your history, working with dogs and what you're up to. So I've been in the industry for over 10 years now. Um, I've always loved animals ever since I was um, born, really. Uh, the first kind of step I took into the animal industry um, I started pet sitting uh, just for friends, family. Then I started doing it professionally. Um, my first experience other than that was in a pet shop when I was quite young. I think I was 17. That was very interesting. That was very eye-opening. I worked for a lady. She was a little crazy. Um, <laughs> Is it Was it eye-opening at the time or eye-opening in hindsight or both? Uh, I think both. I saw a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have seen um, and it, it was kind of – I would say a negative experience. Um, so uh, it was a pet shop who did grooming and the lady also, um, she bred a lot of animals. So she bred a lot of puppies and kittens. And, you know, as a young teen going into the animal industry thinking I love animals and then seeing what I did, it was very eye-opening. Um, the breeding industry, it's it's very dark I would say um I saw a lot of dead animals and yeah um I think yeah that was the first experience of any sort of puppy farm or kitten farming and it really shocked me so after that um I got really into volunteering for rescues um the lady who I did the pet sitting with she did a lot of rescue stuff so um, you know, I did some work with Maggie's Rescue and it, it was really good. Um, I think after I started, uh, work, well, volunteering for rescues, it, it felt a lot better being in the animal industry. It was a really shock going into loving animals, seeing them all die. Yeah, um, to the fucking deep end. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. And this lady was crazy. Um, very like verbal abusive to like staff and to people who walked into her store. It was really odd. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Yeah, <laughs> shit. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. so um, that was definitely interesting. Get that one to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a dark place. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then after that, uh, I worked in dog daycare and grooming. Um, that was fun. Uh, grooming is really hard. Uh, you get a lot of 
hair in places you didn't even realize you could get hair. Uh, what not, about them anal glands? Uh, anal glands. <laughs> it's uh, weird, but very satisfying to do. <laughs> oh, you're a pimple pusher. Do you know you're what? A, you're a pimple popper. <laughs> I thought of this. This is what you should do: is go around and offer people to pay you to squeeze anal glands because no one wants to do it. And if you've done it, let's do it. So yeah, you but you could go to had, people's um, houses. You guys have had Dr. Audrey here before. Yes. Yep. She's very yeah. good at that because <laughs> she has little fingers. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Oh I'm never going to be able to look her straight in the eye ever again. <laughs> Don't look at her. <laughs> uh, so um, all the dogs usually never cry when she does it because her she's, well, I, I like to call her baby hands. Brilliant. I'm <laughs> never going to be able to. Oh, my God. This is so good. I love these inside scoops. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So Never um, going to shake her hand again. <laughs> you don't know where her hand's been. Actually, you do. Yeah, I do. Up the dog's spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so tell us a bit more about like the grooming side. Uh, so the grooming side, I I wouldn't call myself a professional groomer. I would never have called myself. Uh, I probably would never say that. But um, I definitely I did a lot of washes and drying, and um, it's it's I think grooming is really important, uh, and I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah, Look, um, some some of these dogs they literally would be useless without it. Yeah, you know, bulldogs can't uh, with their faces and their butts and curly head dogs. They're going to be pretty screwed. Yeah. Know? So yeah, it's super important, and yeah, it's super important that it's done well. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So that yeah, that was definitely interesting. It was a side of the animal industry I never thought I would get into. Um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing groom um it's it's a it's satisfying but it's very dirty and um it's really hard on your body to be a groomer yeah so you like obviously hunched over a lot of the time you're hunched over a lot um it's it's intense you know a lot of the dogs don't like it um the only time I've really been bitten is in in grooming and it's it's hard because you kind of have to see the animal just be uncomfortable and be stressed because as a groomer, but also um, uh, as a vet as well. So I do a little bit of fit nursing at the moment and it's hard working with Bondi behaviorists and working through their stresses and, you know, obviously like desensitizing and doing all the things that we do and then going into another side where you've kind of got a different view on your job and you have to just deal with this and you, you just kind of have to push through the stress. So it's interesting looking at all the different sides. Um, uh, the grooming place had daycare as well and, you know, that was quite fun um, but we're, you know, I had no knowledge of any behavior back then. And looking back, a lot of the dogs probably were a little bit more stressed um, than what anyone knew, really. Um, I think daycare can be a really good place for some dogs, but maybe not for others. And what I did find was um, sometimes people would get offended if you said I don't think your dog is suitable for daycare it's got nothing to do with your dog at all and it being bad I just think it's a little bit too stressed to you're be doing here. them a favor you're, yeah. you're actually saying your dog uh, 
isn't enjoying this. Exactly. So we don't want to take your money anymore for something your dog isn't enjoying. Exactly. It's and not something you should take offence to. <laughs> yeah. And some people took it really well. They were like, obviously, thank you so much. But others were really, or I would say, almost offended. Yeah. Yeah. We've, I've worked with a few daycares now and it's a pretty common thing. It's actually... Uh, the the team members that I'm like working with or training, uh, they always say, well, you know, how do we actually get rid of this dog without offending the owner? It's like, well, first of all, educate yourself on actually understanding why this dog shouldn't be here. Because I can see it. I can see that the dog is stressed and actually keeping it in that environment really would uh, just fuck around with its head every day. And in knowing that and being so comfortable in knowing that, I can explain it so well to the owner. Mm -hmm. But that's where I think maybe like daycare staff need a bit more education on that because absolutely agreed if they yeah. can't have that conversation it means they don't fully understand it absolutely i mean when when I, I was there for five years so it was a mix of um grooming and daycare and walking um towards the end of that point i knew that i wanted to get into dog training and i didn't realize that at the time dog training was obviously working more with behavior rather than sit stay yeah let's teach you a trick you know obviously it makes so much sense now that we're not (laughs) just working with how to sit you know and so um at the end of it when i met ian i actually met ian there at yeah daycare place we had a share client from the no that's right i was uh, looking for um a house sitter for one of my clients who uh so i asked the owner i felt i was asking around asked one of the daycares and uh, he only put a hand up. So in getting in coming in and doing this house sitting, uh, the client was also um, asking me to come in and help Yona because they were young young puppies. Um, come in and teach Yona, you know, as much as I could about how to manage these number of puppies. There were um, a number. <laughs> like, how many? Uh, at one point, I think there was eight. <gasps> I think. Yeah, I yeah. think there was eight. There was four when we started. And then uh, four when we started. Then there was we added three, then we added two, then we minus two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it went up and down a lot. And that yeah. equals. I'm, 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 <laughs> I think it was eight. Yeah, it was seven or eight. Were they uh, different breeds or? They're all uh, pet shop um, oodles and mixes and. Wow. Yeah, it was a real. Uh, it was a lot of dogs. Um, I mean, it was fun. It was, and um, to me, and the only used to. Uh, rock up once a week, twice a week, and I'd teach the owner about dog behavior and, you know, dogs uh, in a group scenario. Um, basic training was simple. The owner's worked with dogs at this point for many years. She understood how to train. Um, but seeing that many dogs in a group dynamic, and then I think if I'm right in saying, like, it kind of watching those dogs interact and us going through that behavior, then you started shedding light on what you were seeing in daycare environment as well. Absolutely. I mean, at the time, I already knew that I wanted to reach out to um, a trainer. Um, and so then I met Ian. No, it's, it, it kind of all just fell into place. And a lot of the time we were talking about the seven puppies and what they were doing. Yes, absolutely. It shed a lot of light because you had seven different individual personalities that – um, you know, dealt with things very differently and yeah, I, I def I took it back to daycare and it really helped noticing what was going on. Um, really kind of breaking down the behavior in daycare, um, and, and the different indi- individual personalities. 
So it was good. Yeah. And that's it. In that group scenario, and this is what I kind of pass on to daycares is um, you've always got to look after the dog that needs the most help at the time. And it's so dynamic. It shifts all the time. And there's a massive difference. Uh, this is where I think some of the daycare staff, they struggle um, because they want it to be nice and pleasant. But there is a big difference between want and need. So as soon as a dog wants to play, but it is upsetting another dog, the other dog needs it to stop. So you have to look after that need. And just because a dog wants to play, it's like, yeah, that's fantastic. But it's also making a decision. And if you're allowing that, you're making a decision that allows others to be really uncomfortable. So something that when I'm teaching daycare staff about is that difference between want and need and then the body language, what it looks like. And it's hard, but and it's really flexible and dynamic. And that's why if you're going to work in that environment, you really do need to know your shit and know what you're looking at and how to respond appropriately without correction and without shouting because those environments are often so time poor and so highly strong, they end up, you can hear them from down the road. So in some daycares, yep. certainly not the one the owner's talking about, but you know, um, there's sometimes I mean, the, the, the good thing about the daycare that I was in is it wasn't just all of the dogs in the room all day, every day. Mm. They did get out, um, morning and afternoon, uh, for a walk, probably at least half an hour. So, uh, the, the, but in saying that the group dynamics changed every time dogs left the building because or a new one came in. Or a new one came in. Uh, they did have a rule of only dogs coming in at a certain time in the morning, which was very helpful. Um, but, yeah, it changes. The dynamics change so often, so it's just constant. Um, but I think the difficulty was a lot of the staff loved dogs, um, but more in a dog cuddling way. Dog cuddler way. I've said this for years. <laughs> yeah. Dog, some people really, really love dogs. That is not a qualification. All mm -hmm. you're good for is dog cuddling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. If you're going to go and work with dogs, like dog walkers included, go and actually study what dog behavior is. Because going and quitting your office job because you like dogs and going and working with it is not a qualification. Mm -hmm. Piss a lot of people off saying that, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned so much going through my qualification and, mm -hmm. and even working with other trainers and sitting in on classes or sitting in on training consults. Mm -hmm. You learn so much more. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's really important. Because they're really subtle. And yeah. they're and, and there's a lot of shit information out there. Like we've mm -hmm. covered in the first few episodes. Mm -hmm. It's um you know, you probably and it's like that ignore my dog campaign with uh Lewis Nichols over in New Zealand and I think I saw a post last week or the other week um, and he's like, look, if you approach a dog on the street, assume that you know nothing about that dog. Mm -hmm. if, yeah, you ask, that. if you ask the owner, assume they know nothing about their own dog. But it is true. It's very yeah. true. I do, I do agree with that. Yeah. It's because we see it all the time. Like uh, there was, uh, there's studies, aren't there? Like... Um, before the age of seven, a child doesn't know how to respond appropriately to dog mm -hmm. body language. Mm -hmm. I call bullshit. I reckon like any adult doesn't really, you know, unless you've studied and actually yeah, know I what think, you're looking at. I think because there is a lot of misinformation out there of how to approach a dog. Yeah. Like, oh, let's just definitely. stick my hand in its face. Yeah, just give it a pat on the head and hope it tolerates it. I would not. <laughs> Even anyone who's listened to this podcast as well, like I've had some clients listen to it and go, oh, you know, 
my dog's been doing that or I've been doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm so glad that we're getting that education out there mm-hmm. yeah. to other people. Like our friend Kelly on Saturday. So she's uh, walks out, uh, walks onto the street and there's two dogs there and she just bowls in and like um, just straight pats this dog on the head. And luckily she picked the good one because I looked at the other the, the owners of, of the dogs and that one was not loving it, but tolerating it. And, but the other dog, all of a sudden the owners of pull the lead up, start removing it, and there's a fear of God that this lady is going to come <laughs> oh, over. Oh, dear. It's like, do not come near me. Like, <laughs> don't throw your hands in dogs' faces. I mean, it happens a lot, you know. We're training dogs on the street and people always approach, you know. I've got some crazy dogs. <laughs> <laughs> not Doug. <laughs> My own dog is crazy in a different way, but, um, you know, a lot of the dogs that I train – are fearful or you know they have behavior problems that's why they're here and that's why i'm you know doing all the rehabilitation work with them and um people all the time either approach with their dogs or approach themselves and no matter what you tell them they don't listen Mm. i'm in training please you know get away from me oh yeah but i fucking love dogs mate i'm just gonna jump in your face (laughs) now i'm good with dogs Uh, the one i hear all the time he's friendly no all dogs love me I'm like, not this one. Put, put, put your hand in that in this dog's face and you test that theory. Mate. I'm saving you right now. If you try and pat this dog, he's going to bite you. My, I'm telling you. My dog has a muzzle on. It's showing its teeth. I'm pretty sure it doesn't like you. <laughs> I don't know how much more obvious we can be. It's oh, no. like I think people think we're lying. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you know, this dog doesn't doesn't like people. Oh no, he likes me. No, no, no. He he actually really doesn't. Yeah. He's no, gonna hurt he really you. He doesn't. Yeah. It's also a cultural thing because you go to some parts of Europe and if you went and did that to um pat I've had an Australian friend come back from overseas and they've gone in to uh pat some dog on the street and the owner has literally just stood there and stopped and looked at her and went, What the fuck are you doing? As if it was like, because it's not the social norm. Mm-hmm. But those dogs, the 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 bite rate is so like in that country is so much lower because dogs aren't getting tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a cultural thing that we we definitely do need to change. I mean, we're a culture of um dog, dog lovers. Cuddlers. Yeah. <laughs> dog dog cuddlers. Dog. We are. We are. We are a country of dog cuddlers. It's I true. Think. But we are not educated. I mean, it's innocent. It is very innocent. Everybody loves dogs. I get that. I love dogs. But yeah, it, it's the um, how to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what, I mean, that's the whole point of this whole podcast um, uh, is to actually get some information out there to the people to the public because we want to reduce bite rates. We want to improve the quality of life for pet dogs. We want to decrease problem behaviors. And that comes with knowledge and understanding. Hmm. Boom. so you know tell us more um what are your current what was your main role with bondo behaviorist uh so i am one of the trainers at bondi behaviorist um i do a lot of rehabilitation uh walking and training uh puppy school when i have the time but very time poor all the time. So. Well, you, a busy, busy lady studying full time. Yes, uh, doing uh, your role with Bondo Behaviorist and working with Audrey. Yes, so with... I also work with Dr. Audrey at Aussie Mobile Vet, uh, one one to three days a week. 
<laughs> Depending on how much I want to ruin my life that week. <laughs> how many and anal glands I want to touch. <laughs> oh, gosh. And you're studying. And I'm Man. studying. What? Yes. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. We like having busy, productive people on the team. I yeah. am, yes, very busy all the time. And I have a social life. <laughs> Somehow. And I have a puppy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean... I mean, going forward, we're looking at getting you into more and more one-on-one consultations as a, like, uh, training, not so much behavior issues in terms of aggression, anxiety, but we want to drop you in and start getting you doing one-on-ones with recall and puppies and Mm -hmm. house visits, Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. I have to say, uh, before getting the puppy, obviously I could train dogs and, you know, all the dogs that I have had, um... It's another thing living with it, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) That was what I was trying to get to. It is another thing living with a puppy. Um, It's, yeah, I realized that a lot of the time when I was training um, and talking to the clients, you know, in puppy school, my puppy has a problem with mouthing. And so always telling them this is what you should do and then having a puppy and trying all those things. And, yes, it kind of worked, but it's really it's really different. Um, You've got to be able to apply everything practically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it's a lot of problem solving all day, every day. Yeah. Well, you were in my puppy school. Mm-hmm. So, Iona sat in on puppy school that I taught and you even came in on the second week and you were like, wow, like Doug's biting, Doug's mouthing, like I'm so stressed. And you were exactly like the other owners. Yeah. Yeah. Because... I knew what to do, um, but having a puppy there biting all the time, it's like, Stressful. oh my goodness. Like I actually know, now know what the owners are talking about because I have one. Yeah. yeah. I have a crazy thing. I actually went around the owner's house mm-hmm. and uh, we, we sat down for a, for an hour or so because it was, with for all the theory in the world, it's like, well, shit, this dog is actually, because dog's a little, um, when, you know, Barry, when, when Barry's... Yes. Fucking ultra mode kicks in. So we have Douglas, which is like very calm, sedate. Snuggless also is another name. Snuggless. <laughs> um, or we have Barry. And Barry does zoomies and mouths and bites and jumps and barks and does all that. Barry warms up and then Mar- Barry starts mouthing your hands. And... Was, was Barry the seal that we heard uh, in class the other week? Uh, when he does his seal bark? Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Baza. He sounds like <laughs> For a the record, seal. this is all the same dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he has multiple I, personalities. I've never heard that bark before. I was like, Iona, what was that? He, was like he has. He's, he's not that extremely. Is so much now. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. a lot better now. Um, but at that but point, he still has his days, you well, know. He's, st- he's still young. He's only nine months. Well, what happens uh, when the dog starts to really ramp up like that? It it makes you flustered. Mm-hmm. So it makes – and then it makes you panic and then it makes you not actually think. And applying – all the theory in the world is not that easy when you can't think. Mm-hmm. And so – And then having my partner or friends there who are panicking, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I'm not usually one to easily panic, but then having mm-hmm. that. No, you're you're like the, the yeah. movable object, <laughs> like <laughs> just or an absolute rock. And so when I get... you were literally my rock, I call you. I'm like, Yona, oh my god, this happened, and, I, and she's like, okay, just calm down, it's okay. And I'm like, 
Thank God you're here. Thank God I can call you and call on you because you are my rock, man. Oh, so my when, God. when I get the phone call from Iona saying, I'm struggling, I'm like, well, shit. Well, yeah, she's struggling. <laughs> she's Usually really she's the calm one. <laughs> like, so we had to come round and it was like, and, and that's where a trainer on any, for anyone comes in and offers an outside perspective because when mm-hmm. you're in the thick of it, you, like I say, you, you're screwed. Mm. And so even, you know, I try and try. I'm not the best at taking advice, but I'll try. <laughs> I'll try to listen to others' advice when it comes to Django and things like that because you see it all day. You, you normalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, going around and helping Barry with his biting um, or mouthing, um, like from my point of view, I walk. I walked in and went, "Oh yeah, do this, this, this." And you're, oh, thank God! Like it gradually got a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it gradually got better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't an overnight thing either. It so. wasn't an overnight. I mean, because everything that I knew you were supposed to do worked to a certain extent, but not really, mm. you know? And, and it was body language as well. Mm-hmm. And that was, so when you are flustered and when you are panicking, um, you're, I mean, he's mouthing hands. Hands move more than any other body part. And so when he's mouthing them, they flinch um, and it's not voluntary and then they move really fast and the added movement adds stimulation and then it's just fuel to the fire. And he has needle teeth. Yeah. Not anymore, but he did. Yeah. And he it would make everyone bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Barry sounds like an assassin. Barry sounds like a vampire or something. He would make everyone bleed. He <laughs> <laughs> was so bad, but like... He, it made, was... he made me bleed my own blood. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, we we're gonna find out you and Doug. Oh. Yes. Oh gosh, he's a legend. He's a legend. I love him. That's it. And so going back to that, sorry, we just had to apply your theory, but you also had to, while apply, knowing what you know, then learn, relearn how to move your hands mm-hmm. in the moment under pressure. Not easy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is why puppy owners struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> puppies, puppies are hard, but. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They always say it's like time, money, consistency, Mm -hmm. and space. That's pretty much what you need if you're owning puppy. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And you need to invest in them. Like I've said this. I used to say this a lot more when I was training puppies, but one way or another, getting a dog is hard work. You either make it hard work or you put in the work. Exactly. One way or another, it's work though. Yeah. Yeah. If you put in from the start. It's going to be a hell of a lot easier in the future. Mm. And look, I have to give him credit. He's actually pretty good. But obviously, knowing what I know and doing what I do, maybe I'm a little bit hard on him. (laughs) (laughs) You've got um, holding holding him up so that he's just, you must do this. This is my job. (laughs) Be the perfect dog. Uh, Yeah, I I guess I I don't really realize until people come over and they comment, you know, he's, wow, he's pretty good. At which point you're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I'm just so good. <laughs> <laughs> or the other, or the other comment is, no thanks to Trent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Trent, that's why you had to come to puppy school, right? Yeah, I had to I, tell him. I sent Trent, my partner, uh, to Sophie's puppy school alone without me, uh, so that he could, you know, have uh, someone else tell him, have an experience. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so, everyone knows. If your partner tells you or if somebody else tells you something, 
Who are they going to listen to more? Yeah. Not their partner. <laughs> Every single time, without fail. Yeah. That's why we try and get um, both both parties uh, pu- like of the couple at puppy school yeah. or to attend training because, mm-hmm. you know, we will write up the consult and we'll send you notes, but you didn't. if you didn't see it, then you're getting 50% of the yeah. information. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I guess because I knew what I was doing, I was like, I would like him to just experience something with the puppy, you know, because yeah. I do a lot of training with him. I'm the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your bird likes Trent more, so. <laughs> this is like, you know, this is like an absolute animal lover. This is what I love about it. It's like loves birds, loves cats, absolute bird geek. Like, <laughs> but all animals. Like. Yes, all animals. I'm not just dog only. I am all animals. Uh, always have been. Um, so, yeah. Bit of a geek. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's true. I'm okay but with that. That's when the vet nursing goes really well with you. Yeah, like, exactly. Experience all kinds of different. It's a lot of exposure to different types of animals. Mostly, mostly really feral angry cats, but that's okay. Oh, nice. I accept my arms, a few scratches on them. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Lucky it's a love job. And well, go on. And you're going to be on a TV show soon too. Yes. So Douglas Pepper, my bird, and I will be on Bondi Vet soon. Um, the coast to coast. The coast to coast. Yeah, I think it is next weekend. It's probably going to be aired by now. Yeah. <laughs> well, a date, please, date. <laughs> uh, it's already aired in Canada and somewhere else. No idea. You're famous. <laughs> <laughs> Do not watch it. <laughs> uh, we're going to share it. <laughs> yeah. I'm on it too, so can you see on it together? Sophie's crying. Are you, guys, are you guys on the same episode? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think, think so. so, no. Wait, you no. came out in Canada and you didn't watch it? No. I've already watched my um, draft, so. Oh, brilliant. Not showing you. <laughs> I don't think I could watch my draft. I'd probably cry. You cry every, every week at the moment. Every, every week we're in it. I'm oh. an emotional person. Again. We do need some tissues for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched the draft and Doug is tiny. Yeah, that photo. He's, he's so like a small. little, little he's bob. really little. When I saw him last week, um, oh yes, geez, I, he walked into the group session. I'm like, oh shit, he big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh he big. He's thirty kilos now. He's a wow. And he's a real yeah. snuggle bug. Yeah, Aww. yeah. He's a legend. He's such a nice dog, though. Mm. He really is, yeah. um, and he really does mean well. He's he a- does. He he um he has hyper arousal issues, is what we would call it. Um, but that's okay. We're working on it. Yeah, and. Uh, for everyone out there, what that all that is is when he sees uh, information um, moving really fast or another animal, his adrenaline spikes really, really, really easily, and that's that's genetic. You can't fight that. That's what mm-hmm. we're that's what we're going through, um, and so the whole his whole upbringing is about letting him build relationships with friends, learn really solid communication patterns, and start to normalize information. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's working. He's mm-hmm. going, he's getting better and better and better. He's getting a lot better. And I think, you know, um, definitely owning a dog has really taught me a lot because you do really look at um, all of the client's issues. 
I used to take a lot of the admin calls for Bondi Behaviourists when I had a little bit more time. <laughs> and so I spoke with a lot of the people who booked in and all the problems they were having. And um, yeah, I think one thing that I have really learned is to, it's almost like, and I, I get that everyone does it, um, you want to do what you want to do and not not what's good for the dog. So I would love to take Doug off lead. Um, I've always just wanted a dog to take off lead and I did that once. (laughs) (laughs) Never again. (laughs) And never again. Um, He is so obsessed with other dogs. He ran, I did not even see a dog, but somewhere far, far along the horizon, he saw it and he legged it and I, I just, I could not. There was nothing that was going to get him back. Um, <laughs> like he was little at this point, but he was so excited, jumping all over the other dog. The other dog was growling at him, you know. But in that moment of excitedness, um, Ian likes to call it, or we all like to call it the red zone, he wasn't listening to anyone, me, the dog, anything. He was just in Barry. <laughs> full that Barry. Full, lizard, full, full lizard Barry. brain. Yeah. yeah. So um, with him, I strip it back a lot and we do a lot of on-lead stuff um, and work on recall, in-home, out-of-the-home, with distraction, no distraction. And, yeah, I think it, it's really important. It's really underlooked, I think. Um, and it's not until I got a puppy that, you know, you really realise things like this. But what you've done is listened to your dog and gone, this is where he's at. This mm-hmm. is what this is what I'm going to do with him. And I'm going to, you know, you've got your goals. Mm-hmm. You've got your training goals of one day. It'd be really nice to have Barry, not Barry, Doug. <laughs> um, we never want Barry off lead. No. Uh, <laughs> no, Barry off lead is terrible. But, I think, yeah, I think one day, and I keep having to say it to Trent because we're both like, oh, we wish, we wish. But, you know, I know that dogs can come a long way, like from what, you know, a lot of the dogs we that it. we take on, exactly. Um, a lot of the dogs that we take on, they do really well. And, you know, there's no time limit. How long is a piece of string? But I know that eventually, hopefully. Well, that's it. And the other end of the scale is letting them off a deep end. And like you said, when, when uh, Doug ran off to that other dog um, and he's getting growled at, mm-hmm. that's a negative experience for Doug. Exactly. So that actually compounds the problem. Mm-hmm. And we all want it to go well. Mm-hmm. But Barry's in that dog's face. Mm-hmm. And that dog's literally going, mate, I do not want you here. Get mm-hmm. away from me. And all that does is it compounds like the, well, all Barry wanted, so Doug wanted, was it was feedback from that other dog. Like, hey, how you doing? When he gets there, he's super uncomfortable because he doesn't actually speak dog very well. Mm-hmm. And then he starts fiddling and bouncing around, just like a nervous talker running around in, mm-hmm. in the other dog's space. He's a nervous player. Yeah. And the other dog then goes, mate, you need to calm down. But every time he gets told off, that makes Doug really more nervous. And the more nervous he gets, the more comfort behaviors he does. And his comfort behavior is play. Yeah. Can you just go through that? Play is the comfort behavior? Because I think we say that a lot. Yeah. Okay. So when a dog is made uncomfortable, that nervous center turns on. We talked about that in the dog's mind episode. Um, 
and they'll begin to fiddle. And other descriptions would be uh, comfort behaviors or displacement behaviors. So fiddle behaviors are the dog's involuntary response. Well, they're all involuntary, but the involuntary response is to communicate them uncomfortable. And displacement and comfort behaviors are where the dog will do something to make itself feel better. And play feels good. It releases endorphins. It, it's really nice and fun. Doesn't mean it's always appropriate. Just because it's like, oh, he's being friendly doesn't mean it's always appropriate. So when he when a dog is made uncomfortable, sometimes we see a dog revert to play as a involuntary response. That's dog. At uh, all times. Yeah. It's his go to. He sniffs he you literally watch Doug. Um he is like clockwork. Mm-hmm. So another dog comes over to his space and he's okay. He sniffs. You watch him, that information, literally, you can almost watch it channel up the nose into his brain. He freezes and then he plays. Yep. You're watching the information overload. You're watching the information spike his adrenaline center and then he go, I actually don't know what to do with that. Shit. He does it with every living creature he's ever met. Mm. And Person, that, bird, rat. And because he's a nice dog as mm-hmm. in and what i mean by that i always describe dogs that don't have a fight response as a nice dog <laughs> um but he's he doesn't go for uh fight flight mm-hmm. but he is super uncomfortable but he's playing so we think a lot and i can see how so many people would go oh you know he's just being friendly and yeah it, it's so i think he gets so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. It's like nerv- like the nervous talker. I do always call it the nervous talker. He's it, exactly like that. It's like, hey, it's like that chick at the party. It's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, no, really good. If you see the weather, blah, blah, blah. all right, Mary, calm down. <laughs> Fuck. Mary, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Barry. Yeah. <laughs> Barry's like, let's play, let's play. I'm going to run. <laughs> and then you see the other dog on the other end of the scale. You see that dog that um, goes in and goes into a phrase response and then growls is actually just as uncomfortable. The player is yes. just as uncomfortable as the growler. But one of them, we, well, neither one is understood because the player was like, oh, he's friendly. The growler gets reprimanded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if dogs are getting like, getting, it's incept to fail, essentially. So, you know, we can, it, with education, we can really help dogs because we're seeing Doug get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I guess for me, I know he's getting better, but I can't really tell that obviously because obviously I train him all the time and I do everything. But my partner, Trent, um, he takes him for most of the walks. Besides the training that I do um, with him when I bring him to work, uh, Trent after work will take him for the walks and, you know, he comments, Doug is improving a lot. And if Trent can see it. That's yeah, great. That's great. Yeah. That means Trent's come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It was actually Pleasure. much, much more pleasurable than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Iona. We're Thanks. just joking. <laughs> <laughs> this is our banter. <laughs> this is why I love my team. Uh, you all know that, but like, they're just good humans first. <laughs> yeah, so true. And this is why I snuck in. <laughs> you've, just, you've got to prove yourself a little bit, but you know. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, thank you so much um, for coming in. Um, I will probably see you in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today, folks. And uh, remember, a healthy dog's a happy dog. Ooh. And that was the pod. The healthy dog.